Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, this is Christopher Oba. Welcome to another episode of the Strategy Skills Podcast. If you want to strengthen your strategy skills, get the overall approach used in well-managed strategy studies. It is a free download. Go to firmsconsulting.com forward slash overall approach. It is F-I-R-M-S consulting.com forward slash overall approach. And today we have with us Rena Salman. Rena is an expert in the sales industry, helping companies improve performance of their sales teams with specific focus on B2B sales, which is very, very relevant for many of our listeners. Welcome, Rena. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm so excited to be talking to you and to be talking to your viewers. So uh, I'm ready. Rena, so your sales career really started when you were around nine years old and went to the first sales meeting with your father. And the big lesson you learned then that there's a human connection that is at the heart of every sale. I think, you know, all of us have the good intention because we all want to serve our customers. But I think sometimes as leaders, we may get caught up with all of the spreadsheets and the numbers and the quota. And while it's really important to achieve our objectives, we sometimes unintentionally forget that there are people behind the numbers. And you mentioned business-to-business enterprise, especially with business-to-business enterprise sales. People are making buying decisions, not some faceless entity, not a robot, uh, but people are making these decisions. And what research shows us, Chris, is that people want to be treated like a person, not a number. That was uh, a study done by Salesforce. And they also want us to personalize that communication. So when you take the human element out of it, then it becomes almost like you, you, you're you selling your, your product, a commodity. You're not connecting to that, to that person and their needs and their aspiration and, and empathizing with them on their challenges and then designing a solution that will help them address their challenges or drive their initiatives or meet their needs. I agree with you. It really comes with this intention. If you have that intention of helping people, then you don't need to think about it on a continuous basis throughout the day. And you can have all the spreadsheets that you have to have as part of your job, but it will still come through in the way you speak to your customers. But let's talk about how do you help people shift from that internal focus on winning the deal and getting the sale to an external focus on helping the customer be successful? Great question. I think there are things as leaders we can do. We can create a customer-centric culture, right, where everything we do, our, our behavior, our conversations, our business processes... We're always putting the customer at the center of everything we do. And we're training our salespeople on, on, on that, uh, on, on, on preparation skills, doing our homework, understanding the buyer and their business, understanding the human behind that buyer, going on LinkedIn and checking their LinkedIn profile, understanding their business and their strategic objective and what they're trying to achieve. And then training our salespeople and coaching them that when you get into these 
conversation, you focus on the buyer, you bring in that research, you ask and validate, ask question and validate your finding, and you actively listen to what they are saying and what they're not saying. Actively listening is, is, is so important in sales. Yes, it is so hard to do. By just the act of actively listening, people start leaning in and your buyers are telling you what's going on in their world, what's going on in their initiatives. And then you align your solutions and then you share these insights that your buyers may not have thought of. And you may even challenge their thinking and you may even educate them on things that they haven't thought of. And then you collaborate with them. So, so when leadership form create a customer centric culture, and then they create the, the processes and the content and the tools and the training in partnership with other parts of the organization, like partnering, like marketing, like enablement, like sales off, then you start seeing the shift of how we approach our business. And changing the mindset also results in very different questions you would be asking a prospective client. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of coming into the conversation, Chris, and saying, okay, I am great at what I do, Chris. I sell X, Y, and Z. And this is the, the, the features and the functions and the attributes of my program versus, Hey, Chris, I just read your earnings call transcript. And I noticed that in Q1, you hired X amount of salespeople or you're, you're, uh, you're uh, expanding into these emerging market. Tell me more about your uh, onboarding program. Tell me more about your ramp up time. So now the question is all about their business, because, you know, when they talk about onboarding, then I then I can take that information. I can say, okay, let me let me share with you some of the things we're seeing. Right. So now I'm adding value to the conversation. And the questions, absolutely, it starts to be about the buyer. And then you're sharing insights to help them see how, what you're seeing and how you've helped someone in similar situations. And if someone is struggling here, they have a certain way they managed discussions with prospective clients. Are there specific questions that you would recommend they consider asking? There are fundamental questions, but I would say, Chris, before you even ask questions, make sure, and especially your, your consultants or, or folks that are selling, uh, that are frontline sellers, Make sure you do your homework because sometimes we ask a question and the buyer saying, well, if you just Googled my name or if you just looked at my website, that answer is right there. So you want to make sure you're doing your homework and then you want to validate some of what you found. So for example, if I get, if I Google or look at someone's LinkedIn profile and one of their initiatives is, for example, uh, they are working on digital transformation. So, so I will validate that. I will say, Hey, I, I just saw one of your posts and you talked about your digital transformation initiatives. Um, and then I, I pause and I say, well, tell me more. Or I mentioned something in that post. And then I ask a question to, uh, to validate. Am I, am I understanding it correctly? And tell me more. Um, and then you can ask questions about their initiatives, uh, their, their, the challenges. And the way you can ask the question about the challenges, um, to show that you're also, you know, you understand the industry. You may say, look, based on similar customers that we work with, these are some of the challenges that we're seeing. Uh, what, what do you think? Are you going, are, what, what are, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing? 
Um, and then they can say, well, Raina, you're, you know, it's the same challenges you're talking about. Or, you know what, Raina, no, we're not facing this. We're facing this. So you open the conversation. What's the impact if these challenges are not addressed, right? If you don't solve that problem, what is the impact if it's not addressed? There is there is a business impact if it's not addressed. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to also create some sense of urgency that we got to solve that problem. Also, what is the timeline to solve that problem? Uh, there are some, some, some initiatives that executives are working on that they may have promised the board to show some improvement, to show some movement. We need to know that. We also need to know what is their internal decision-making process. Because let me tell you, when you're selling strategic deal, um, no one person is making a decision. There are several decision makers. And sometimes it could be up to eight, up to 10 decision makers. So you need to be aware, what is that internal decision making process? Who is the decision makers? Who are the influencers that are actually going to influence these conversations that your executive sponsor is going to go to them and say, what do you think? You've met with Raina, you talked or you've been part of the conversation. What do you think? And you want to make sure that you're also having conversations with the influencers and showing them the value that you offer uh, to help them solve uh, their, their boss's business problem or their department's business problems or driving their initiatives. And, and in terms of your journey of understanding how to be an exceptional salesperson that actually helps clients and helps the organization at the same time, if you would look back over your journey, could you describe the changes in your views as time progressed? Maybe some big insights you gained along the way? Great question. Um, I think I've always been focused on the customer, right? I have my background is in marketing. So coming into sales, I recognize the importance of understanding my buyer persona and the importance of research because that's where I came in. I was a research nerd. So I understood the importance of preparation. Um, where I, what I, what I needed to work on is I needed to work on my confidence because you have to have confidence in sale to sell. If you don't be believe in yourself in selling, um, no one else is going to believe it. You got to believe in what you are delivering. And to build that confidence, you got to know your products. And, and that's, doesn't mean you got to talk about your product first when I meet with you, but you got to internally know about your product and also who does it serve? What does it do? How does it help your customers? You also want to make sure that you are, when you're asking questions, that you're asking questions to also understand how does it work? How do they make decisions internally? And that was an insight for me, Chris, because I've lost deals where I totally missed on the, that internal decision-making process. And I thought, hey, if I'm talking to an executive, they must be signing that, that contract. They must be the one that's issuing the purchase order, forgetting that, hey, that may have to go to the board. Well, when it goes to the board, that means that now I have to wait. And that means that I'm not going to get that signed deal. So that was an insight for me is be very intentional in understanding how do they get things done internally in the organization. Another thing that I would also, that I've learned is making time for next steps in your sales call. Again, those are tactical things, but let me tell you, many times what ends up happening, and I've also learned along the way, is that you get so excited in that sales call and you're starting having these conversations and you're talking. And then suddenly five minutes before the call ends, you're looking and you're speeding to get those next steps. 
you want to make sure that you make time to truly understand what are the agreed upon next steps? What are the roles and responsibilities of both parties? And what is the objective of that, of those next steps? So those are kind of some of the things that I've, I've learned along the way. And also, it's really important as a salesperson, when you're selling B2B enterprise deals, when there are other resources that are involved, is that you make sure that you involve the right resources at the right time in your sales process. And you make sure that every one of these resources are enabled, are prepared, they know what's going on so that when they show up in front of the customer, so if you have your your, your SE, um, solution engineers or system engineers delivering a demo, they need to be aware of that business level conversation that you've already had with the buyer, with a prospect. And they need to come in and show the demo, show how that demo is going to help them in addressing some of their business, um, and some of their business challenges or align it and or align it to business outcomes. It is our responsibility as account executives to ensure that these resources are prepared, they understand their rules and responsibility, and also that we are also making sure that we are uh, giving them all the information they need in order to be successful. So those are some of the lessons, along with many others that we probably don't have time to go through all of them. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing it. Confidence. I think we need to unpack it. Yeah. So understanding the product, but there's more there. Yeah, I think confidence comes with experience too. Right. And there's also a thin line between being confident and being arrogant. And that's what you don't want. When you become overconfident, you start thinking, I know it all and I don't want to change. I don't want to learn new things. So you want to make sure that you're always staying also humble and always, always um, adapting to your customers changing needs. Uh, confidence is also about how you show up. Right. When you prepare, you're more confident. Um, when you are, uh, when you have a leader that also believes in you, right? And that also is coaching you toward these best practices. And that, that helps you build the confidence. Also, you know, building confidence is also about when you fail, in my opinion, um, finding the strength to get up and learn from these mistakes. And that those mistakes are going to help you even be more confident as you start um, growing in your career and also not making the same mistake twice. So when we look at failure as lessons, and that can also, of course, help us in building confidence. Look, the reason I am standing here and that I, I, I am confident in what I do is because I've had so many lessons along the way that built me and helped me in understanding how do I address situation how do I um, get back up and and learn from some of these mistakes? Um, and also having role models and mentors that we can also learn from and model that behavior that is is also important. Again, I'm not a confidence expert, but this is based on my my experience. Yes, I was specifically asking about your experience because you came across this challenge that you needed more confidence, and then how did you overcome it? What role communication skills played in overcoming lack of confidence? A lot, a lot. Because if you're not, I call it communicate with purpose. If you don't understand your buyers and you're not tailoring your communication to their needs, you're not customizing it, you're not articulating and tailoring your value proposition to them, 
you're not identifying and adapting to their preferred communication style, right? You have some people that are very analytical, and then you have some people that are very visionaries and intuitive, and then you have some people that are very process-oriented and detailed. Our job as sellers is to identify how can I communicate with you in the way you prefer to be communicated to? And if you're pretty detailed, I need to be able to adapt to that and go into the weeds. But if I'm selling to an executive who's focused on the big picture, who's focused on the bottom line, I need to up-level that conversation. Communication is so critical. And it's not just the verbal communication, as as, as you know. It's also the nonverbal, Right. Are you aware of your own nonverbal communications? And are you sending the right nonverbal communications? Because guess what? Research shows that if your verbal does not align with your nonverbal, if I'm telling the customer, of course we can deliver, but I'm, my body language is like, oh my gosh, and I'm folding it in and I'm not even looking them in the eye, they're going to believe nonsense. They're going to say, no, she's, they're not going to deliver. They're not going to deliver. So yeah, so, so making sure that your verbal and nonverbal align as well as reading the other person's verbal and non and nonverbal. And also understanding that culture also plays a role in understanding that when you are in a global role, as many of us in sales are, when we're selling, even if the company is headquartered in the United States, there's key stakeholders in EMEA and APJ are all around the world that are coming on that Zoom call. And we need to be aware that there's there's there are the the culture, uh, we need to have some cultural competency and we need to make sure that we understand and respect the different cultures and communicate in a way that is respectful and that resonates. Let's take a specific scenario and uh, let's imagine we have uh, someone who just joined a very large consulting firm, one of big four, and they want to be promoted to partner. So they're just under the partner level and they want to be able to sell projects and be able to get promoted. And let's start step-by-step and cover some of the tips that you could share. So starting with, let's say, prospecting and understanding the product. So the first thing I would do before I even talk about prospecting is I need to understand what are the goals of of, of the role? What are some of the KPIs that I'm going to be measured on? What is my quota? What are they expecting of me? Right. And then let's say my role is to sell and I need to bring in X amount of money and X amount of, 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 of customers. Um, the first, the, the second thing I would do is I would, I want to understand my buyers and I want to understand, I call it my buyer persona and my buyer profile, the type of organizations, buyer profile, the type of organizations that see value in our solutions. That means that the industries, the typical industries that we win in, the typical size of organizations, the typical revenue that the organization that we target, and within these organizations, who are the the buyers? Uh, meaning, what is their common, maybe typical titles? Where do they sit in that organization? Uh, what's their roles and responsibility? What are some of their initiatives that we can help them solve with? What are some of their challenges that they are facing that we have a, a, a solution that can help address their challenges? So once I have that, once I am clear about that, then the next thing I also need to know uh, is also uh, I need to know my products, right? I need to understand what my product is, what it does, how is it going to help these buyer personas? What are some case studies or success stories that I can use? 
Um, and then I need to go on, on platforms, for example, like LinkedIn. You have to go where your tribe is. In B2B, of course, LinkedIn is the number one B2B social selling platform. But if you're selling to, to consumers that are on other platforms or, or business folks that are on other platform, you got to go where your, your customers are. For me, my customers are on LinkedIn. So what you need to do is you need to start building your, your brand. You start to also use what we call social selling, meaning that one, you can use LinkedIn Sales Navigator or, or LinkedIn itself to create a lead list. Try to identify based on your criteria, what your buyer persona is and your buyer profile. You can use LinkedIn Sales Navigator that paid uh, when, when you when you subscribe to it. And you can create an actual real, real focused list because they have certain filters that you can use. And that list, make it about maybe even a hundred of these folks. And then what you want to do is you want to start uh, building familiarity with them. So check their LinkedIn profile. Start uh, posting content that is relevant to these buyer personas. Start showing up on their post and commenting something that is relevant. Join their group. Um, identify people that may know them, that you know, you know in your network. Or even it could be that people you already know in your network that fit your buyer persona. And the easiest way to land um, to, to land a, a meeting is by referrals. So if you know someone that really knows you and knows how good you are and has worked with you or maybe a past customer, um, ask them to introduce you to some people in you in their network that fits your buyer persona and your buyer profile. And that all is part of that of, of, of social selling. When you're reaching out now, if, if you can get someone to introduce you to, to prospects, that is awesome. That increases the chances much higher for them to actually respond because there's already trust by association. But let's say you don't have, you don't know these people and it's all, all you're trying to build that relationship. You're trying to build that familiarity. So you do the social, you start showing up on their post, you, you send them a customized email request, you connect with them on, on LinkedIn through a customized connection request. And, um, and you start building that familiarity. So then the next step, you see something that they posted on LinkedIn that is, that triggers a reason for you to reach out. So you send them a customized email and you need to make sure that when you are prospecting, that's going to take more than one email for people to get people's attention. And it's not just email. It's not just email that you should be using. You also should be using multiple channels. You should be using cold calling. You should be using um, social selling. You should be going to trade shows. The more different channels you integrate, the higher chance you are showing up as a human being and you are getting noticed. And so when you do all of that, and let me tell you, uh, follow-up is a must. It's a game changer. If you're selling, sending one in-mail and mentioning maybe something they posted on LinkedIn that compelled you to reach out and you customize it and you work really hard on it and they don't answer back, that's normal because it takes it takes a lot more than one in-mail for someone to answer. There's at minimum, you need four, right? And it really depends on your buyer persona, but you need to make sure that you're following up. And every time you follow up, you're adding some form of value. Once you land that meeting, Chris, now it's like, whoa, now I have about 30 minutes to, to qualify in the conversation or qualify out. And with, with, with complex sales, you may need to have several conversations with several 
key players to qualify in or qualify out. Uh, and that's part of that discovery journey. And especially with complex deals, there's several conversations that can happen. So that means that you got to be prepared for these conversations. You got to know who you're meeting with. You got to do your homework. You got to look at them as humans or understand their role in the organization. Try to find something in common with them to build that rapport, to build that human connection. Try to understand from their, from the research that you've done, what are some things that they may be working on? What are some of their typical challenges? And be prepared in these conversations. Have a strategy in place that, hey, when I go into that conversation, I'm going to start it with an agenda and I'm going to have a, a little time for us to connect at a human level. We may, you may find in the research that you both have common causes that you care about. So that's something that you bring up, right? Uh, for example, for me, I love to run, right? And so when I see someone training for a marathon, that's a common connection because I, I, I run and I'm training for races. And so that builds that human connection up front. Now, the middle of that conversation, when I get in front of you, Chris, and you said, Rain, I only have 30 minutes to talk to you. That middle of the conversation is, is where the business, what I call business level conversation needs to happen. This is when you take an outside. It's all outside in perspective. It's all about my buyer's world, my buyer's initiatives, how I can add value, how I'm going to listen more than actually talk, how I'm going to collaborate with you. How I'm going to show you that I, 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 we've done this or we can help or share some stories that can get you to think in a different way. And then the last part of the conversation is the next steps, right? Like what, what, what do we decide about what the next steps are? Based on what you told me, Chris, here's the summary of what you told me. And here's some things that I shared with you. And here's what I'm proposing. Do you agree, not agree? And what is the roles and responsibility of people that are involved in the next steps? Now, really important when I talk about, um, about these calls is that we show up. And what I mean by show up, it has to do with, you being there early. If you're late, you're sending a message to the buyers. The buyers don't know you and they're looking at visible cues to see, hey, can I give Raina the benefit of the doubt to trust her? So are you early to the call? Are you organized? Are you showing up with a positive attitude? Because guess what? Attitude influences your behavior, but it's also contagious and it influences your performance. It's contagious to the other party. So what energy are you, are you, are you giving in these calls? And also, you know, your attire, even through Zoom, when you're showing up, your buyers are looking at you and saying, okay, is that person, you know, can I trust them with my budget? Can I trust them with my money? And I have, I have executives telling me, they say, look, Raina, if you have if 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 an exec, if a sales rep comes on a call and they have their ball cap on or they're dressed in their gym clothes, I kind of feel disrespected and I feel like wow, I'm not important enough for them to dress professionally. So even how you show up. Now again, it depends on your buyers and what their expectations are. That's why it's important to know your buyers. Um, and so, and then we go on, right? And then once I get this, this, yes, we agree that there is value in continuing the conversation. And I identified that there is an opportunity where I can help when we're, where we can add value, our organization can add value. Then we move into the actual, okay, now let me propose a solution, a customized solution for you. And that's when you start in, 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 in complex deals, you bring in the right resources, the technical resources that can also talk about the solution and connect it to the business. So, so this is just a summary of the early stages of, of, of the sales process.
Thank you, Rena. So let's elaborate on customized connection request. So what do you think people should include? Yes, yes, great question. So look, when you're when you're asking someone to connect to be part of your network, you want to give them a reason of why you're why you think you guys should connect. So you want to look, for example, do you have common connections, like real common connections that you know, not someone that you just said yes to on LinkedIn, but someone that you've worked with that you can mention. Or do you have you seen something they posted on LinkedIn that really resonated with you that you can mention and that you can share with them that compelled you to reach out and connect with them? Or it could be that they liked something you posted or commented on something that you posted. You bring that to the conversation and you reach out to them and you ask for a connection. So you want to make sure that you're personalizing it and giving them a reason of why you're reaching out. Or it could be that you saw something in the news about their organization or an interview that they've done and really, really compelled you to reach out. Now you have a little space. You don't have a lot of room to write, but you want to be concise about it, but make it personal. Give them a reason of why you want to connect with them. Um, I, I don't recommend just sending a blank, blank connection request without any background of why you want to connect with me. 100% agree with you in that particular situation. Sometimes blank ones can work, but in a different situation. In this situation, I think customized is needed. And then let's talk about the email because I find those very frustrating. I finally found a way to block them because previously I was not seeing important communication in LinkedIn because of that. So let's talk about how to approach it, how people can even go over resistance because they themselves receive emails, messages like that in LinkedIn. They don't want to be viewed that way. They don't want to bother people in that way. And so what advice would you give yeah. to overcome the resistance and what should people include if they actually end up using it? Great question. Well, first to me, my advice is build that familiarity, meaning that start showing up on, you know, if you want to email, reach out to someone through email, um, start building that relationship before you send that email. So follow them on LinkedIn, follow their company. Everyone can follow everyone, I believe, uh, on LinkedIn. And and um, there's a little bell on LinkedIn. When you start following someone and you click on that bell, you're going to get a notification when they post something. So start re- uh, uh, commenting on their posts with something that is relevant start checking their LinkedIn profile. So when they, they're checking who checked my LinkedIn profile, they're seeing your face. Now you're becoming more human. Join the groups that they are joining and start also showing up with something of value, not to promote your products or to sell anything, but to add value to the conversation. And then, so once you build that familiarity, then when you reach out to them with a customized uh, in uh, in mail, then you're not a, a a stranger. Now it's more of, oh, wow, Rain, I just saw the video that you did on LinkedIn about onboarding and your and your email is about onboarding. Or wow, you did a, a you posted about sales kickoff and you just sent me an email about some insights about the sales kickoff that's that we're doing in a few months. Um, and so now you increase the chances of them saying, yeah, yeah, Raina's not a stranger. I'll 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 uh, I'll I'll reach out to her. I'll reply back because she built that some of that credibility, and so it's it's building that familiarity. It's looking at it as a journey, right? It's not a it's not a sprint. You're not you're not going to get someone to meet with you um, 
typically just by sending them a non-customized email out of nowhere. Uh, because that's that's where you become a commodity and that's where you get people like us, we get annoyed by it. Buy, buyers get annoyed by it. We haven't earned the right to ask for that meeting, right? So so build that familiarity. And then when you're sending that, that email or that email, recognize that it may take more than one, it, it will take more than one email, more than one uh, touch point for them to, re- to reply. So, so know that going in, but also know that when you're sending each email or when you pick up the phone and call someone, you have to make it relevant to them. It's about them. Start with the person. Start with what, what compelled you to reach out to them. And then share, give them a reason, a compelling reason of why you're reaching out. And then share insights that will increase their curiosity for them to say, whoa, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And so, 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 so that's, that's some of the best practices that we teach in our, in our programs. So we got to take a brief sponsor break. When we come back, Rena, I'm going to ask you how people can deal with rejection at this stage of the process, because there will be a feeling of rejection. But first, let's take a brief sponsor break. So about 13 years ago or so, a little longer than that, We turned the world of business strategy and problem-solving education on its head by building out the largest and most powerful business strategy and problem-solving video and audio training library in the world, strategytraining.com and strategy training apps. Renan, you were asking me earlier what we do. So this is a great opportunity for me to share with you as well. So we are the only place in the world where you can learn strategy and problem-solving skills without ever having to work for a major consulting firm. You may be surprised also to know that most of our members are not in consulting and have no interest in being consultants or they were consultants in the past, but most of the skills they learned were learned on strategytraining.com. Most of our members are actually managers and above all the way to executive board members within very large organizations such as very large banks, tech companies, and so on. And also a lot of people who are running their own successful businesses. And for non-consultants, the skills that we teach are even more powerful because they're so rare. It's very rare to have the skills that we teach. So our inside and legacy members, which are two membership levels from strategytraining.com that give access to some of our advanced video and audio programs, can see step-by-step consulting engagements which dissect in detail how to lead a strategy engagement. And by working through those step-by-step studies, you can learn a lot more than consultants learn on a typical engagement because no one's going to teach you everything there. You're going to do a piece of it and you're generally not going to learn as much. And by working through those, yes, you can learn a lot and you can actually get into a point that you can do those analysis yourself. And of course, we also have many other very powerful programs teaching you skills that you will not learn anywhere else. A lot of the skills we teach, you will not learn anywhere else in the world. So the skills that you can learn on strategytraining.com can help you be much more influential in any room. We spoke today about communication, executive presence is connected to it. You want to be influential. And many of our insiders and legacy members love to read, not just listen and watch. So after a lot of requests, this August, we launched something called the Strategy Control Room, which is the largest business strategy and problem-solving reading library in the world. It consists of full studies 
we have many more studies in the control room versus on strategytraining.com, even though they will also have studies because, of course, it takes time to convert studies into training programs. You also will find million-dollar proposals. You will find transcripts. We also pulled almost all of our books off Amazon, and they are now exclusively locked in a vault at the Strategy Control Room Advanced level. And we released their many new strategy books, which were never available anywhere, and they are only available in the control room. So anyway, check it out at strategytraining.com. Legacy or Insider Membership gives access to some of our advanced strategy and problem-solving programs. Legacy members also get additional advanced training, plus two times a month, Michael and I do a live group legacy call where each legacy member, and I mean each legacy member, can get input for their most pressing question. That is very rare for programs like that. All you need to do is either submit your question in advance or be live on the call. And if you cannot attend, you can watch a replay. And the Strategy Control Room Advanced Level gives access to our full strategy reading library, including transcripts, as I mentioned, from some of the training programs, full studies, proposals, other strategy documents, and it also includes all our strategy manuals. My view is that either of those memberships is the best business strategy and critical thinking education gift you can ever give someone or yourself. They have different content within them, and they are both very powerful. And if you have questions, you can email us at team at firmsconsulting.com. Now let's get back to our main event. We got with us Reina Salman. And Reina is an expert on helping organizations improve their B2B sales. And B2B sales is something that is crucial responsibility for many of our listeners. So Reina, so great to have you with us. And let's talk now about dealing with rejection because that is a challenging thing to do. Yes, 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 yes. And thank you for having me, Chris, and for all the great work that you all do. Um, look, rejection is part of the game. It's part of sales. Now, does it hurt? Absolutely, it hurts. Um, rejection, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at research that says the brain processes rejection along the same neurological pathway as when we have a physical injury. So it actually does hurt. When someone says, tells you, man, that hurts when you lose a deal, um, it most likely does hurt, right? So, so the question then, well, how do we deal with it? Well, now expect that you're going to get rejected. If you are not getting rejection, then you're not doing your job because you're not doing enough prospecting. You're not doing enough hustling. So just expecting that, hey, this is part of, of the game and not taking it personal, be objective, be self-aware, own what you've done wrong, which we, 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 which I do. I look at, I analyze my deals and say, okay, well, maybe I didn't do this right. But then also there are some times and there are things in the deal that happens that is not in your control. So for example, it may be the product is not what they're looking for. It just wasn't the right fit. It may be the pricing wasn't right. It may be that they something happened internally in their organization that stopped everything. So you also got to be fair to yourself when you're evaluating rejection. Also, what I usually do, Chris, is I give myself time to, I call it grieving period. Because when you work for a deal for a while and you put everything that you have in it and your passion and you know that you can serve your customers and then it didn't, it just didn't work out. You end up losing that deal. You got to let yourself 
grieve for a little bit and be okay with being sad, right? And what I usually do is I give myself 24 hours. I go for a long run and I just think through it and I acknowledge my feeling. I acknowledge how upset I am. I acknowledge the hard work. And then I wake up the next day and I say, okay, what did I learn and how can I move forward? In sales, you can't just keep looking. If you keep looking backward, you're going to miss the next chapter. You're going to miss things. So being able to to acknowledge your feeling, acknowledge your rejection, give yourself time to grieve, but then moving forward is, is, is important. And also, just because you lost a deal or you got rejected doesn't mean you need to give up on the relationship. Because sometimes, and many times in my career, what I've learned is that you got to separate relationships from losing. Because sometimes what ends up happening is you click with the prospect. You develop a good relationship with the prospect. But at that time, it wasn't the right thing for them to choose you. It wasn't the right the, the right time, the right product, the right price, whatever it is. But stay connected with them. Nurture that relationship, especially if they saw and they developed that trust with you. And then go back in the next quarter or so. Check in on them. I've done that and I've lost deals and then I've come back and won other deals by just focusing on the relationship and not taking it uh, taking it personal, as well as adopting a positive attitude, right? Understanding that analyzing the deals that you lost and you won and identifying what went wrong and how you're going to fix it, identifying also what you did really well in the deals that you won and try to scale that and try to include that as part of your sales process and look at this as learning. Something that I've learned in my career, it's called fail fast word. Like you want to fail quickly and you want to fail fast word so you can learn, take that learning and now go to the next thing. And, And remember, Sometimes rejection is it happens for a reason. You may not know it, but then later on you look back and you say, "Oh my gosh, I'm glad I didn't win this deal because look, I ended up getting these these other deals that I wouldn't have an opportunity to have got them if it wasn't for for you know for for having time to prospect and having time to engage in these conversations." So so these are the the some of the reasons, uh, some of the ways to uh, to uh, to deal with rejection. That is a very good advice, and also not feeling that if someone haven't replied to your first outreach, that it is the end of the road, as he mentioned earlier, continue building the relationship, adding value. So you recently wrote a book. I love the size of this. This is so convenient to carry. It is called Sales Essentials. And one of the things you speak about in Sales Essentials is collaborative selling. So with a few minutes we have left, let's speak a little about that. Uh, collaborative selling. So what do I mean by collaborative selling? If you're selling, and, and I think your your viewers will agree, if you're selling a B2B enterprise complex deal, uh, what we see from research is that uh, using the right resources at the right time of the sales process increases the chances of your win versus you as a sales rep going solo and trying to do it on your own. Now, there's several reasons why. Why you increase the chances of winning when you have the right resources involved at the right time, when you engage the right resource, when you engage your SE, when you engage the right your, your, uh, your team at the right time. Here's why. One is your buyers are looking at you and saying, wow, they have a whole team behind them that is going to help me fix my problem. Imagine when your executive shows up to a sales call at the right time. You're showing the buyer that, wow, the the buyer is saying, I am important enough that the executive is actually showing up to talk to me. 
that psychology of feeling like I'm a person, not a number. So you also feel that importance and that value. And so there's there's a lot of goodness in in in, in using the right resources. Plus, they are experts in what they do, so they can deliver. Collaborative selling works when we work together, not when there are silos. When we as salespeople, as account executives, also make sure, again, as I mentioned earlier, enabling um, the, the right resources at the right time, giving them what they need, practicing with them to ensure that they understand what we want them to deliver. And that's the role that we call the orchestrator role. It's like a band, right? You are trying, you're a conductor. You're bringing in the right people. All the music is going together, right? And you're making sure that everyone knows their role and what success looks like. Very, very important thing to consider and adding to the way you manage sales. So I have a question that is my favorite question to ask. Okay. And uh, it is not specifically related to sales, but I think it is a question that sometimes an answer to that question can make the biggest difference for people who are listening. So the question is, over the last few years, what were two, three aha moments, realizations that really changed the way you look at business or the way you look at life? I think um, one of the things as I get, as I am getting older, I recognize to um, be kind to myself, meaning that look back at when, when I make mistakes, be graceful and be kind and be fair, just like I treat other people with so much empathy, have empathy for myself. So that's, that's one area that, that I learned. Um, I also learned, um, and I'm still learning to be present to really take in that moment when you win that deal to say, okay, let's live that moment, right? Instead of saying, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? So that's another thing. And then the third thing that, that I, that I learned is when I started my business. And if any of your, of your listeners are, or just trying to sell, all you need is to just sell that one deal. Because that one deal is going to help you if you do it right, if you take care of your customers, if you deliver on your promise, that deal is going to set you up to other deals. It's going to help you build your confidence. It's going to help you build your network. And so instead of thinking of it as, oh my gosh, I need to build a business and I need to land all of these, start thinking with, I need to land this one deal and I'm going to do a heck of a job and I'm going to deliver on my promise. And guess what? From there... People, your your customers that you that 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 you deliver to and that you form that trust with, they end up finding another job and they're gonna call your company and they're gonna say, hey, Chris, come help us the way you helped us at another at this other company. And you start and it starts growing and growing and growing. And so those were some of the things that I think I've I've learned throughout the the last since I opened my business and in just in in life. Thank you so much for sharing it. This is a great place to end this session. Before we do that, Reina, do you have anything else you would like to add? Maybe something you wanted me to ask and I didn't. And also, can you please share with us where can people get your book and learn about you and anything you want to share? Yeah. First of all, you ask a lot of great questions. So I don't have any other questions. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're, um, Listeners liked what they heard. Please follow me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you 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 listen to us at, at this podcast, um, as well as if you'd like to learn more about the sales essentials. 
my book is on Amazon. It is published by uh, by one of the top three publishers in the world, McGraw Hill. So I'm very fortunate that uh, that I worked with them and I got to experience it, go through that experience. Uh, and 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 let me know what you guys think. I'm um, I love to hear from from readers, from colleagues, from listeners. And of course, if there's any opportunities for if they're if they're having sales kickoffs, I know there's sales kickoff season. You all can read about some of the things we do at www.salmonconsulting.com. And if we can be of service, of course, we'd love to. Thank you, Reina, for being here and for being so generous with your advice and so open about your experiences. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for the great questions. Thank you, everyone, again, for tuning in. Our guest today has been Reina Salman. Check out Reina's book. It's called Sales Essentials. Very good name. Easy to remember exactly what it is about. And the subtitle is The Tools You Need at Every Stage to Close More Deals and Crush Your Quota. And there are two gifts I would like to leave you with. One is McKinsey and BCG winning resume for those of you who are currently looking for another opportunity. Go to firmsconsulting.com forward slash resume PDF. And firms consulting is, of course, F-I-R-M-S consulting, because many people think it is firm consulting. So just to clarify. And the second one is the overall approach used in well-managed strategy studies. Also free download. Go to firmsconsulting.com forward slash overall approach. Reina, thank you so much again for being here today. Take care, everyone. And I look forward to connect with you all very soon. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.